it's come into a place to where now I feel like the op the, the autism is not a hindrance. It's I see it more of as this is who I am and that's okay and I'm blessed by it and I'm gonna use it to the best of my ability because we work really hard to be able to work through the anger, to work through the depression, to work through the anxiety, to be able to navigate and not allow that affect the marriage for the negative like it used to. Welcome to Adulting on a Spectrum. In this podcast, we want to highlight the real voices of autistic adults, not just inspirational stories, but people like us talking about their day-to-day life. Basically, we want to give a voice to a variety of autistic people. I'm Eileen Lam, an autistic author and photographer, and I co-host this podcast with Andrew Camro. Hey, Andrew. Hey, Eileen. I'm Andrew, an autistic entrepreneur, software engineer, co-host of this podcast. Today, our guest is Daniel Meyer. Uh, Daniel has autism and ADHD. He's been married for almost a decade, but not quite. We'll see if he makes it. He likes to share with those on the spectrum that being different isn't so bad, but maybe not so good either. He also recently started a YouTube channel, which I have seen, but Eileen hasn't yet, uh, where he talks about how autism impacts his marriage and ways to overcome the unique challenges that he and those on the spectrum face every day. Daniel, thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. Me too. Eileen, maybe only a little bit. So we like to start off our podcast by asking each guest how they prefer to identify. And we don't mean pronouns such as uh, she, her, they, them. Uh, We mean autistic on the spectrum, uh, Asperger's, as Eileen likes to say, to offend people on purpose. Um, so if do you have a preference? And if so, what is it? I do like Asperger's, but I'm also under the understanding of it's either or. I, I'm okay with it. Do you like to do it just because other people don't like it, like Eileen? Or is it what you were diagnosed with? Why is that your preference? I think it's going to be more of my preference because it seems like it dials more into, um, I guess, my diagnosis more accurate description yes yes yeah for the record that's why i like asperger's because i feel like if you say autism it's so broad that you know it it doesn't convey right away the struggles and you know it's it's too broad autism and uh, asperger's like people they they get an idea right away of what it might look like you know so i wish it was still a diagnosis personally yes same here so see, Daniel and I have that in common. <laughs> so Daniel, speaking of, can you tell us about your, your diagnosis? What was that journey like? Um, it was very interesting. Um, it, in the beginning, whenever, before my wife was married, she, when we were talking, she kind of noticed a few. Uh, uh, and, and you say before your wife was married, assuming you mean married to you. Yes, married to me. Oh, okay, okay. Just, <laughs> and only you, right? Okay. Yes, only me, only okay. me. Uh, it's it. That's another whole another story, a whole another journey. But that's where it all initially started. Is whenever before we got married, she had made mention of hey, because her dad is uh on the spectrum as well. 
So, and he also got labeled with Asperger. So that's kind of a, another affiliation there that I like about it. But whenever we were married, um, it took me three years before I was willing to go get tested. Um, I didn't accept it. I didn't like it. I was highly ignorant to it and just did not fully think I was like, well, no, I'm, I'm not that, or I'm not whatever you're saying is. Cause I just had that mentality of no, 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 that's not me. And then whenever we finally started looking into it and I just started accepting it, like, okay, well, let me just go get tested. So we ended up looking around and found a place, um, University of Texas, Dr. Loveland, she uh, specialized with adults, because that's one thing I did notice is a lot of people specialize with kids, but not in adults. So we went there, got diagnosed um, with being on the spectrum, and then also ADHD. So but what's interesting about that is it took me about another three years to fully accept that I have Asperger's. So it was um, it was quite the journey there as well to really coming into that. First of all, it's a lot different than what I thought it was because we all have an initial thought or what we think something is until we finally start diving into understanding the fullness of it. So it was it was quite the journey. And what was the process like? And by the way, I'm in Austin, Texas, too. So it's interesting that you went through through UT. Um, like, how long did it take? How many meetings did you have with the, was it a psychologist? Uh, can you tell us a little more? Yes. Um, she, I mean, she's, yeah, I guess psychologist, Dr. Love. I'm not sure exactly what she was, but it was about three meetings that we went. And uh, my wife came and then my brother came. Uh, kind of met with the family the three times and I think they were about two hours long each or so um, and so yeah that was it, it was just a that was the main process right there was getting in because it took a while first of all to find somebody and then we were on the waiting list for like six months to be able to see her um, so I don't know exactly what her title is but I just know that she specialized with Uh, adult autism and diagnosing. You say that it took you, you know, three years to be able to accept it. And I feel like that's something that uh, didn't take me quite as long, but it, it did take me a while. And I feel like that's something we don't talk enough about on the podcast. We get, it, there seems to be almost like two people, people who were like the opposite of that. Like they accepted it like before they were diagnosed. Like it's like everything they almost make it their identity right away, right? It's like all, and then, you know, there's, can you can you share a little bit more about um, not accepting it? Was it just time? Just, just share more about, you know, why it took you three years to accept it and, and what changed along the way, if that's not too open-ended a question. It's uh, very valid. The... The main thing I'll just go ahead and say out is I'm stubborn. Um, <laughs> I'm very stubborn on um, thinking one way, believing another. And so whenever I was diagnosed, it was it, there. It made sense, but I couldn't fully take hold of it. It was okay. Well, this makes sense. Why, whenever I would be struggling with something, this would happen, or 
whenever I'd be in a certain environment, this is how I was feeling. So I was seeing all these little signs, but honestly, for me, it was a matter of, I felt weak. Like, that's just the honesty of like, well, no, no, I'm a strong man. I got to be strong. That's what society says. You got to be a man, toughen up, do what you got to do. And so there's this fight of, do I accept it? Do I not? Is that me? Is it not? And then I went through the, the acceptance of, okay, that is me. And then I took it on to the fullness of, well, well, I'm just completely autistic and that's everything. That's who I am. I'm just autism defines everything. And so I had this, this, this battle of being able to bring it down to reality of, okay, this is something that yes, I do have, this is a part of me, but it does not define me. It is certain aspects of my life that does define certain things, but it's not completely me. So I think it's just finding that balance because society says one thing, a doctor says another thing, and then everybody's experience is a little bit different. So it's hard to say, well, this is the path and this is the way, because just like you said, you accepted it quick. And I'm like, well, man, I wish I could have done that. And it just wasn't that case for me. Uh, and and yeah. just to clarify, I didn't accept it so quick, but I feel like a lot of people we have on the podcast do. Ah, right? Okay. So no, it, and I no, I relate to it, it taking a, a little while as well for, for similar reasons. Even though I wasn't denying it, I wasn't accepting it either, right? It was... Yes. Yeah, it's that middle ground that's just, it's it's confusing. <laughs> yeah, and see, to me, I was neither, like, accepting it or, like, not wanting it. I was really in the, I want to know, you know, like, before my diagnosis, like, there are signs and all of that, but... I was like, you know, it could be something else. Could be like just like social anxiety with like ADHD or could be, who knows, like schizophrenia. What do I know? You know, I'm not a doctor. Like there are so many overlapping conditions that I didn't accept the diagnosis before it came. But when it finally came, it was like a relief though. I was relieved because I was like, okay, so that's why all of these things are so difficult for me and they're not difficult for other people. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it gave me answers. I don't know if I accepted it right away, but I did feel some relief. And also like, I was like, oh, but why so late? Like imagine all of the therapy I could have had if I had been diagnosed yeah. as a child because I was 25 when I was diagnosed. So it's like, yeah, it was a, a lot of, of feelings. But yeah, I think what, what Andrew is saying is true is that a lot of people like, Hell, some people don't even seek a prof professional diagnosis. They're like, oh, I'm autistic, uh, you know, self-diagnosed, which yeah. I don't agree with, but it's a story for another day. So yeah. it's definitely <laughs> interesting to see that wide range of, of experiences. Um, so you said that you've run into people who said that you don't look autistic. Like, what does it make you feel and how do you deal with it? Uh, in the beginning, I dealt with it angrily where I just kind of cut them off and was like, okay, then I don't ever need to deal with you again. Uh, just that initial reaction of just wanting to push them away and keep them away. But over time, what? because my wife, she's in the mental health field. And so that's really where a lot came to light is her guiding me along this process. And so she also helped me to understand when people are saying that it, it's just out of sheer ignorance. It's not that they're trying to attack. It's not that they're trying to invalidate. It's just they don't fully know because there's been several times where I've been excited about sharing. Hey, you know, I was I was diagnosed I'm on the spectrum and all these things. Oh, well, you don't look like you're on the spectrum. I, I don't think you are. And it's just it's really disheartening because when you come to that place of accepting and learning your 
your uniqueness, it's just they invalidate everything. So what I had to learn to do was just stop and say, okay, yeah, that was hurtful, but I'm going to go ahead and just label it as they just don't understand. They don't know the fullness of it. And that's okay. And learning that I don't need others to validate me for me to be who I am. Hey, Eileen, I think it's been like two episodes since I've said my favorite quote, which is Hanlon's razor, right? Never attribute anything to malice that can be adequately explained by stupidity. Basically, people don't know any better. Right? That sums up what uh, what you... That's some of what you were saying, correct? Yes. Right? Never attribute. Yes. Yeah, they're not mean. They're just idiots, right? And then that's, yeah. Putting so. it in the way that we understand it. Because <laughs> whenever you say that, people get offended that way also. So it's just a matter of finding that middle ground of, okay, it, it's understandable. Um, and just try, you just do your best to not let it affect you. Like you said, it's just, you just do what you have to do to be okay with yourself. You mentioned earlier how people would say that, you know, you don't look autistic, you know, you don't seem autistic. Just curious, how how does that come up in, you know, conversations? You know, the second you meet people to go, I- I'm autistic or and how has that changed with you accepting your diagnosis over these years? I do not bring it up as much as I used to, but I still bring it up and it's more or less to do my best to help educate people that are around me um, because I, if there's something I can share with them to help them understand and see it a little differently and, and make it we're really not so much for me, but when they run into somebody else that may not be in the same place that I'm at, that they're seeking someone to listen, that they'll at least listen and hear them out and not just completely invalidate them, that they'll, hear what they had to say because there's been several times I've been shut down hard and that made me stop as well but that's where finding the middle ground of if I can see it coming into a conversation and it being of use and educational and helping yes I'm all for it Um, and that's where what I find myself now doing is I'll I'll explain it to people and say yeah I'm on the spectrum oh really and I've, I've had a little different shift of people how they react and how they talk um, it's almost like once I became okay with it and secure myself, now when I share it, people are more open to listen. But I guess when you're excited in that first moment of like, hey, man, I, I want to tell you something, it's, um, they have a hard time knowing how to take it. Because then they're like, oh, are you sick? Or are you, are you okay? Or what, what does this mean? They don't know fully what it means. So, But yes, I have been able to tone it down and not just tell the whole world, but kind of find out where it's going to work and where it fits in. Less like you're a vegan CrossFitter, right? Yes. Yes. Eileen, did you get that reference? You didn't laugh. That, I'm hilarious. Really? No, I did not get that reference. Oh, people again. who are vegans never shut up about being vegans. People who do CrossFit never shut up. Oh, about right. Yeah. yeah. yeah okay. It's their life. It's their being. Yeah. So... And any vegan CrossFitters who listen to or on this podcast, you're more than welcome to come on this podcast and not shut up about it either. But it's it's a stereotype for a reason. So so you mentioned uh, uh, at least a couple times, uh, or maybe that's just because I watched the video a couple times. So, meh, uh, that you've been married for for nine years, which is almost 10. Um, 
do you have anything planned? You, you know, nine seems like very, you know, specific. I, you know, I've been married for nine too. My 10's coming up and I haven't planned shit. Good thing my wife doesn't watch this podcast anymore. <laughs> um, but what, what do you have planned? <laughs> Congratulations. No, it's, it's 10 years in, uh, in, in May for me. Um, do you have anything planned or and basically so I can steal your ideas that that that's what I'm going for here. 10 years will be for us in March, March 1st. Okay. Uh, my plans were to go to Hawaii and do like okay. a remarriage, just kind of doing a whole little small ceremony again, but just somewhere that we we want to go. But my wife, when she went to school, kind of changed those plans because she's got her master's um in mental health field and so it shifted all of our plans and so now we're just kind of like okay let's look at the 11th year we'll make the 11th year a little more uh important but really this year it's uh we're just celebrating the fact that we have 10 years and that it's been a lot of hard work and uh just really staying at home making a fire outside and just talking and enjoying one another and just kind of reminiscing over the the years that we've been together it's that's about our big magnificent plan because it yeah it all kind of shifted and on top of that I recently tore my bicep tendon and so I've been out of work for about three months under sick leave but it kind of just shifted everything as well so everything's not the way I was planning it but I'm not gonna let it ruin it that's too bad that you have a positive attitude about it so so that's good do you think uh, autism and ADHD uh, affect your your marriage, like in a, in any like negative way, any positive ways? Like, are there adjustments that you've had to make? There, I'm gonna say for right now, everything has its place, and it, it's gotten to where I believe the autism is a good thing. Um, it allows me to really pay attention to detail with her, taking and using the things that are hypersensitive for the good, um, not necessarily letting it overwhelm me, but kind of paying attention to the detail and hearing what she's saying, um, which I'm not going to say it completely attributes to autism. I mean, that's part of it, who we are, but it has become a positive thing now, whereas before in the marriage, it was bad like I just I was very stubborn very it, it was on me but when we grew throughout the years and then when I finally got the diagnosis and she worked with me it's come into a place to where now I feel like the op the, the autism is not a hindrance it's I see it more of as this is who I am and that's okay and I'm blessed by it and I'm going to use it to the best of my ability because we worked really hard to be able to work through the anger to work through the depression, to work through the anxiety, to be able to navigate and not allow that affect the marriage for the negative like it used to. So it's, and, and there's still the days that it pops up and you gotta name it, tame it, claim it and and get rid of it. But um, overall, no, it, it's it's been a blessing to me. I, I'm, I'm at a point now to where I see it makes me so firm and fierce in what I think and I believe that you're not going to change my mind. You'll have to kill me to change my mind. So that's one mm -hmm. thing that I really found very, I, I hold on to that, that no, this is me and my wife and man, I'm going to love her to the, the last breath.
do you want to tell us about your YouTube channel? What made you want to start your YouTube channel? Yes, us and autism. Um, before, whenever I've wanted to do it for a long time, but I was always afraid of getting in front of a camera and honestly saying something stupid or doing something stupid, uh, which seems to be very, you know, goes viral nowadays, but uh, more or less. Really? Why haven't I gone viral then? I'm like, that's like, you know. <laughs> Sorry. Well, yeah, you just, I don't know what takes anymore. I've just been told you got to put a bunch of videos out there and then something will take eventually. But more or less where we, what I wanted to do was just to be able to share and encourage others out there. Because I know whenever we were going through the process of growing and learning and knowing, it really helps whenever you know somebody else is out there struggling with the same thing, struggling with those thoughts. And you don't feel so alone going through these problems because that's the one thing there was many times that you just I felt very alone, like nobody understands me. Nobody understands how I'm feeling. And even with my wife, it was limited on her being able to fully understand me. Um, and so what I want to be able to do is just get out and encourage people and help people. And, and especially because, I mean, from what I've been told, 10 years being married on the spectrum is that's that's a great thing so congratulations to everybody as well here for being able to maintain that because the statistics don't stand to prove that that's the case but um that's one of the things we really want to share is our relationship and also the faith and uh, just the different dynamics of being married on the spectrum and and making everything work together from the little bit i saw on your YouTube channel, it seems that you have a, a sarcastic streak, like I lean in myself. Is that true? And if so, why do you think uh, so many with autism are assumed not to be sarcastic? And how does that affect you and your marriage? And that's another reason why I held back from doing a YouTube video is because I feel like people are going to tell me I'm not autistic enough. And, you know, and like you said, there, there's common traits, but there's also social stigmas. Well, if you stare at somebody in the eye, then you're not autistic. If you have a sense of humor, you're not autistic. And it was always, you know, I'm like, no, I've been sarcastic and I, I enjoy laughing and having fun is that's not a problem. That does not make you, you know, not have Asperger's. So no, it it uh it is a part of our life, and it's something that we enjoy. Because I mean, I'm very very sarcastic with her, and, and some days a little too much. But you know, it, it goes with the grounds of overdoing it sometimes. But um, no, it, it is a lot of fun. I I find it funny. The only thing is, is, sometimes my sarcasm is luckily she's she catches on, but it can be very brutal. You know, it's. Uh, it's kind of like one of the things just uh, like she was telling me something the other day and I was like, you know, honey, what you want doesn't exist. <laughs> and so It's just this, but she got it. She understood it. But yeah, it, it's funny whenever people want to look at you and they're just like, oh, man, I, that's just weird that you're that way. And, and what I've kind of seen is it's called like invisible autism where where you're not the the common oh well you rock back and forth and you have 10 ticks and you do this and you do that like you said it's a spectrum you can't really label it as one thing and so if if you're sarcastic you're sarcastic have fun and be sarcastic about it <laughs> I mean, you just have to learn that even people that 
aren't diagnosed with anything, we all struggle with something. And so just let it be, live and enjoy life. Don't, we don't have to be so critical with one another. And so whenever people want to bring that, I'm just like, eh, it's okay. I'm having fun. So I'm good. <laughs> I, I totally relate to the Sometimes the sarcasm is too brutal. Uh, sometimes people don't know if I'm joking or if I'm serious because it's so like, you know, the deadpan and so cold. The you have a good it's example, fun. Eileen. It's fun to do that. <laughs> Can you give us a good example? No. <laughs> oh, oh, Eileen, how about talk about the questionnaire that I submitted? Uh, yeah, Andrew submitted a questionnaire to do some advocacy through Autism Speaks at Hill Day. And for the question about uh, do you need any uh, sensory accommodation? He said that he wanted a cookie dough ice cream <laughs> <laughs> as an accommodation. That's a, that's a good one. That's a good one. Is Fair it enough. <laughs> yeah, it has uh, to be keto, Yeah, what? It, it has to be keto, right? Mm. No, I actually haven't been keto for like six, oh. nine months. Yeah. When you that's have... why you don't speak about it anymore. Is <laughs> well... You know, yeah, like, but no, when, when you have a five or six year old and like all you're eating or is like their unfinished chicken nuggets and grilled cheese, right? Like it, it's really, really hard to, uh, you know, to stay. To be ketogenic. Yeah. Yes. Well, I was keto for like, you know, six, seven years before it was cool. So now oh. that it's popular, I can't well, be keto anymore because now it's popular. So I got to, you know. So yeah. something else it's it's not cool anymore yeah no 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 now it's cool so now i can't be cool like right. it, it's too cool so i can't do it anymore you yep. know that i feel like i mean we're kidding about it but i can have this mindset if something becomes cool i don't really like it anymore because i don't want to look like i'm following like you know the oh, trend absolutely. or you know, it's kind of dumb, you know, if you think about it, because if I like something, I like it. But, you know, it's like F1. I mean, I still love it. But the new Netflix show uh, came on, uh, Drive to Survive. And now so many people are into F1. And uh, I just like, I want people to know that I've been watching F1 since I was a kid. It's not because of the Netflix show Drive to Survive. OK, I already liked F1 before. And it's just like that weird thing that, yeah. And I, I don't know. I think it's kind of stupid, but my brain works that way. Well, I don't think it's stupid because it's exactly how I am. So if you're stupid, then I'm stupid. So yeah. well, I think being, we are stupid. Being used to being an individual and being your own kind of world, it's it's hard whenever the whole world tries to come along and be a part of your world. So there's like this separation of, well, I'm not a part of the world, so I'm kind of my own. So therefore, I don't need to do that. It's just. It's interesting, but I know what you mean, where you get into this place where, well, if it's popular, then I don't want to do it and I'm not going to do it. But we, it shouldn't get in the way of what we enjoy, but it does sometimes. It's just our brains work and there's nothing wrong. So, Daniel, you talk on your on your YouTube channel that uh, being grounded has helped you on, on your autism journey. Can you tell us more about that? Like, can you share what being grounded means to you? The being grounded, I mean, to me, it means several different things. One would be being able to uh, acknowledge, first of all, how I'm feeling, uh, being able to be aware of 
all the surroundings, not just one thing. Because so many times you get hyper-focused on one thing. And when you get hyper-focused on one thing, it causes everything else that could be the possible problem to fall in onto that one. So being grounded for me is um, being honest with myself. Honestly, getting... I don't know about you, but for a long time, I could not deal with being by myself and alone with my thoughts because it just, it was nonstop. And like going to bed was like, okay, how can I finally go to sleep? How can I, I just can't stop thinking. And then whenever I'd wake up, I'm still thinking. And it just was this constant moving and never stopping. And so what, what I had to work on and, and my wife helped me out a lot is just being able to stop and just try to really meditation, doing the breathing exercises. Whenever I was in therapy, because I've been in therapy for, I think, two and a half years, uh, one of the exercises was a breathing exercise, which this was in the early stages of therapy. And I was just like, this is stupid. I'm not going to do this. And I was like, and then I actually did it. And when I got done, I was like, okay, I got to be honest with you. That worked. And I did like how it kind of helped calm the central nervous system because you have the mindset, but you also have the body and understanding if something's worked up or if your system's overworking, you've got to bring it back down. And so um, one of the grounding techniques is the breathing. Uh, the other is going and closing your eyes and you're next to a, a river and there's a tree and the leaves fall and they hit the river and they go down the river. And so you put your thoughts and the worries and everything on there and just let it float away. So little techniques like that were helping me to slow my brain down to where I could actually stop and think. And then a lot of the other grounding techniques were going outside. There's something about nature. There's something about animals or something because I have tortoises. I have a bunch of tortoises. And uh, I think what grounds me with them is they're slow. They're methodical. They're strong. And it just kind of showed me that, okay, slow down think things through, don't have to be going a million miles an hour. And so when we, when I go outside, we'll have a fire and just kind of listening to the fire. You have to use those senses to be able to, to pick up on different noises that kind of help bring you down that don't get you all excited or anxious or um, cause you to, for the negative rather than the positive. So learning to control your mind and bringing it down and enjoying certain sounds, enjoying certain smells, enjoying certain feels really helped me to be grounded and start slowing down and actually be in the present. Cause I was either living in the past or I'm, I'm shooting for the, the, the future. It was hard because Becky, my wife would always be like, you just need to be in the present. I'm like, I'm here, I'm here, but my mind was somewhere else. So finally also kind of breaking down, am I in the present? I would ask myself, am I here? Am I enjoying? Am I off somewhere else? Okay, if I'm not, then I need to bring myself back and focus on being in the present and being here with my wife, being here in the place that I'm at. So being grounded has many facets and everybody's going to ground a certain way. But for me, nature and getting to talk to my wife and slowing the brain down helped me a lot. Yeah, uh, I am. I have something called aphantasia, so I can't visualize anything ever. It's it's always blank. So all that, you know, meditation, it was like, you know, that didn't work for me. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, I think the, you know, eventually, you know, you find something. So like, you know, very recently, I, I, I live in Northeast and there's tons of woods. And so I have, 
I cut down a bunch of trees and I've found out that I really enjoy chopping wood. Um, and it's really fun. Um, and my wife likes watching me chop the wood. So that's a plus, but, um, you know, what's, what's also funny too. And, oh, Eileen, I should send you the picture. Like it's, it's coming along. Like I'm building a wall. My neighbor said he wanted a fence. I'm building him a free fence. So, um, (laughs) pretty, pretty motivated, but people are like, so do you have a fireplace? Nope. Do you hit your home with wood? Nope. So, and it's like, just, you know, just enjoying it. It's like, I'm not thinking about anything else. I, I, I don't know why. So, but I, I very much enjoyed um, going outside and just chopping some wood. Like, again, I, I never would have thought so. So, and that's, that's the thing is everybody's, grounding technique is going to be different because i know what you mean chopping wood i've got a chainsaw sitting right there but i'm i'm, I'm like man this is so much there's something about what it chainsaw like you, said, you have uh it's a steel 550 cool yeah it, it you know it's one of those that if you slip you're gonna really make a mess <laughs> yeah so i only ruined one pair of jeans so and i cut down like 30 plus trees in oh, front wow. yard so like good Ones that I shouldn't have cut down on my own that were pretty. <laughs> but so you I'm, and now I'm going through. So, um, yeah. So now, but yeah, no, now like I bought this, my wife, I bought this uh, like a firewood rack. So it's like eight by eight, right? And my wife said that when I fill it, we have too much firewood. So what I've done is I've stacked all the firewood not in the rack, right? Because now I haven't filled it. So now we don't have too much. So now I just, you know. Workplay. It's the best. Exactly. Right. You know, so. That's, 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 no, I like that. That's, um, you get what you need to get and the, the, the grounding comes and you get to enjoy it. And I don't know, do you like doing the fires? Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a fire pit outside and so I I like, I like it a lot. So. Something very calming about that too, the noise and just the heat and the light. It's, it's, it's interesting. No, extremely. I, I, I very, very much enjoy it quite a bit. So that that is the fire that we do. We do have a fire pit outside. So and I do enjoy it. But uh, didn't think I would enjoy, you know, chopping, chopping the logs so much. I was actually on hold with like, I don't know, I think like Comcast like last week. So I figured I'd go outside and I'd like <laughs> chop wood. And then the guy's like, sir, if you don't mind me asking, are you chopping wood? <laughs> Um, all right, let's uh, let's do some quick fire question, Daniel. That's how we end our podcast. Basically, you just tell us uh, the first answer that comes to your mind. Okay. Ready? Yes. What's your favorite Texas barbecue spot? Cat's barbecue. Favorite TV show? Big Bang Theory. Favorite drink? Hmm. Lemonade. Well, we're gonna say beer. I don't know why that was so. <laughs> you specify hard drink or or alcoholic drink or non alcoholic drink. Yeah. Either or. Yeah. Well. Favorite music. Christian. Sorry, what was that? Christian, Christian music. Brisket, ribs, or wings. Brisket. Nice. Blue cheese or ranch. Ranch. Good answer. Okay. 
Uh, you know what? I don't know what I would have answered to brisket, ribs, or wings. That's such a hard one. Brisket was <laughs> so good, but sometimes they're too fatty, and then I don't like how it feels in my mouth. That's why I said ribs. The I guess it has to be good. It's harder to do a good brisket. It's hard to it's harder to mess up ribs. It's easy to yeah. mess up brisket. Exactly. Right? True. True. Where, where is that barbecue place you mentioned? Uh, it's here in Santa Fe, Texas. Uh, it's oh, right so. down the road from us. And what they do is. And to, once they run out, they run out for the day. But it's really good. <laughs> oh, yeah. We have some places like that in Austin, like Franklin's Barbecue. I'm sure you've heard of it. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Obama went there and uh, skipped the line. That was all uh, so much <laughs> drama. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, okay. Well, that was it. But before we go, can you tell uh, people where they can find you on social media? I think you only have YouTube, right? Do you want to share your YouTube channel or anything, really? Self-promotion right now. Yes, it's uh, Us and Autism. Um, it's on YouTube. I um, need to get some more videos up and going. Um, but that, that's my main platform for right now. I really don't have much. And I'm actually currently writing a book. I'm trying to get some of these thoughts out and get a book going. And I think the name should be called Surviving Childhood. So <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a work in progress. But yes, that, that's what I'm working on. Nice. Well, good luck. Thank you.